0: Welcome back to Show Me Today. Aviation Buffs, we have a place for you. The Nicholas Beasley Aviation Museum in the great town of Marshall. And Brian Berlin from the museum joins us. Brian, welcome. Thank you for having us on. Brian, how long has the museum been open?
1: The museum actually opened in 2008, 2008. And we've been going since that time.
0: Wow. Okay. So it's been around a while. Uh, Brian, you, President Drew Green, and Vice President of the Museum Tom Jones, the three of you must have a deep love for aviation.
1: Yes. uh, They actually are pilots. I'm a train bus, but I love history, and I'm a native to Marshall, and it's a story that I didn't know about when I was growing up. So when I learned about it, I was fascinated.
0: Oh, okay. A train guy in the, in the plane museum business. Good. Very good. Uh, the Nicholas Beasley Aviation Museum in Marshall. Uh, I want to talk about a couple of the planes that uh, you have on display. And even though you're a, a train guy, maybe you can uh, help us because I was looking at uh, some of the photos on your website. Uh, the NB3. Um, what's interesting about this is uh, the wings are actually below the the fuselage, it looks like uh, they go from under the pilot's feet and then out from there.
1: Yes, they are. It's actually a low-wing monoplane. It was maybe the first all-metal framed monoplane in the world. It was designed by an English uh, aviation uh, engineer who was named Walter H. Barling. So the airplane was way ahead of its time, and not only was the wing on the lower part of the airplane it was fully cantilevered and had no braces or struts so it was a very clean design that uh was unusual for that time
0: and in what year did the nb3 come out
1: the nb3 was certified i believe in 1929
0: wow i mean that's amazing because the Wright the wright brothers got off the ground in 1903 so less than 25 years later and and you've got the planes like that. You beat
1: with, me through the punch. That's that's usually that's usually how I reference it during a tour, how early in aviation this is. Less than twenty five years after the Wright brothers basically flew a kite at Kitty Hawk, Marshall, Missouri is in the airplane business. Less than twenty five years in the blink of an eye.
0: And uh, this model, the NB3, it broke records for altitude, speed and distance. What are what are we talking about in terms of those type of numbers?
1: I don't want to give away all of the stories of the museum, because I'd love your people to come and see it, but a guy showed up from North Dakota who was really just looking for parts for his airplane, and he became their chief instructor and their test pilot. His name was Dwight Samuel Zimmerle, who would maybe be better known as Norm Stewart's father-in-law. Oh. after the airplane was certified, the airplane was very lightweight because the wing was built out of aluminum. So the airplane weighs less than 700 pounds. It set a nonstop distance record from Brownsville, Texas to Winnipeg, Canada, 1,600 miles uh, uh, in 16 and a half hours. So uh, it, it, it was a phenomenal thing. It set an altitude record over St. Louis of almost... 28,000 feet. Uh, It took two hours to achieve that height because of the low horsepower engine. And Barney was wearing oxygen at that time. But those were incredible records for light planes during that era. Wow.
0: Brian Berlin joining us from the Nicholas Beasley Aviation Museum in Marshall. And, Brian, I wanted to ask you, because uh, it's open. It looked like there were two seats, uh, the pilot and then somebody sitting in the back. But there's no cover over them. there's a little tiny windshield. so when you're going that yes. fast and and it sounded like the the pilot there had had oxygen and but what did that what did that feel across their face?
1: Well, they sold uh, what was called a leather helmet, which wasn't really a helmet, it was just kind of a head protection, and then they had goggles and the Nicholas Beasley company was also in the airplane's parts business. And so they were they were selling parts all over the country, and not just to individuals, but to other airplane companies. So what's really unbelievable is, a 100 years later, Nicholas Beasley leather flying helmets are on eBay, and the catalogs for their flying airplane parts are actually on eBay also. They can be anywhere in the world. They can be in Columbia, Missouri. They can be in Columbia, the country.
0: Brian Berlin joining us from the Nicholas Beasley Aviation Museum uh, from Marshall. So so tell me more about the, the name Nicholas Beasley and, and the, the company and how it got its start.
1: How it got its start. Russell B. Nicholas, a Marshall man who had been in World War I, uh, was sort of an automobile mechanic. And he thought that if Marshall men could work on cars, they could surely work on airplanes. They'd worked on farm equipment and the first purchase that he made was surplus World War I uh, propellers from the government, and he sold out so quickly that he thought maybe there was a business there. So the next thing that they purchased was surplus World War I airplanes that had not been assembled but were stored in Houston, Texas. Those airplanes came to Marshall, and they were wooden biplanes. They were put together and sold really inexpensively. You could buy one for less than $1,500. So they would go around the country uh, with all these barnstorming pilots who wanted to fly and give people rides because aviation was a thrill. And so that was going really well until there were a couple of accidents and a few people died. And the government jumped in and said, wait a minute, we don't want people to have rides in wooden framed airplanes. They need to be airplanes with engineered designs. And so that's how Mr. Barling was one of the very first airplane designers that designed an airplane to meet government specifications. So they started out with World War I surplus, but they were at the forefront of designing their own airplanes.
0: Brian, I, I want to talk about the flying flea. Uh, you have an airplane on display. Now, this was built after the NB-3. Now, the NB-3 was so far ahead of its time, but the flying fleet, eh, Brian, listen, I wouldn't trust this thing on the ground, let alone in the air. I mean, this looks like a carnival ride. It, it looked like i would have to pay like well, know, six tickets to, to go on a ride on this. Thing. It's like a soapbox derby version of a plane.
1: When we started meeting, uh, the actual idea for the museum was launched in 2002. The NB three that we have, out of over a hundred that were built, we we believe it is the only complete example that has survived. It had been owned by a, a man in uh, Oklahoma for fifty years, and he had fabricated all the pieces that were missing because the airplane company went out of business during the depression. So during the depression, people couldn't afford the NB three for three thousand six hundred dollars. So they actually designed an airplane after that, the NB-8, for $2,000, and they were able to sell 58 more airplanes before they stopped. But what we learned when we were building in the museum and had ideas floating around that other airplanes were also built in Marshall, which included the Flying Flea. The Flying Flea was a home-built airplane built from scratch by Marshall Mann who was a nephew of Mr. Beasley, and he bought a book from a man from France that's the directions of how to build it. So Jake Van Dyke followed the directions and built his own airplane right here in Marshall with Nicholas Beasley parts, and it's more like a hang glider. You're right, it looks kind of unusual compared to the other airplanes, but the man who wrote the book thought If you could nail two boards together, you could build your own airplane, and that would allow almost anyone in the world to fly an airplane. But Jake qualified, and he built the fleet here in town.
0: Uh, If you get an opportunity, you need to go to the Nicholas Beasley Aviation Museum in Marshall. Uh, And let me give you the website, nicholasbeasley.org. Look it up, and what are your hours? When can people come in and see you?
1: We serve tours from uh, 10 to 4 on Tuesday through Saturday or by appointment if there's special requests or special needs to arrange tours. We give guided tours because we feel it is a real story about real people. And instead of just looking at our stuff and coming out and saying nice stuff and going home, We really want to tell you the story of what was happening in Marshall, and uh, it makes it a lot more personal and uh, a whole lot more unique.
0: Well, Brian, you are a great storyteller. Marshall, Missouri, played such a big hand in the role of aviation early on.
1: Well, and I'll give you one more Columbia connection just, just because you're from Columbia and are interested in that. There was so much going on here that they attracted the attention of a wooden propeller manufacturer named Oli Phelan, whose family was originally from Sweden. Oli Phelan, uh, after Nicholas Beasley closed, came to Columbia, Missouri, and worked out of the Adkins building and built World War II propellers for the government as well as civilian propellers in Columbia before he moved on finally to California. Actually, if you go on eBay, only failing propellers show up occasionally, as do snowshoes that he built for the federal government. So Columbia has a couple connections to the Nicholas Beasley Aviation Museum.
0: Brian Berlin from the Nicholas Beasley Aviation Museum in Marshall. Thank you so much for the stories, and uh, I'm sure people will uh, want to come out and uh, take one of your tours and, uh, and learn more.
1: We'd be glad to tell the story.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, this is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri.